and welcome to Spooky Encounter, the positively frightening 107th episode of Retro Encounter, RPG fans' retro gaming-centric podcast. I'm Robert Fenny Kruger, uh, and joining me today are <laughs> Countess Alanya Lahaye. Oh wow! There you go. I was never going to get as good as that, so that's I'm proud. And uh, Dom Kim was actually the name of the scientist who created the monster. The monster's name was Dom Kim's monster. <laughs> yes, hello. So here we are, folks. It's uh, Halloween time, and um, I thought we'd do something of a uh, free-form discussion on uh, horror RPGs as well as... Um, frightening monsters and haunting moments in games that aren't necessarily horror um it's it's not the easiest thing to find a horror rpg these days they're quite few and far between so um i thought it could be fun to talk about um on top of uh, on top of what horror games we can bring um also moments in in games that might not intentionally be frightening um but just are for some reason whether that's uh from uh, a, a childhood memory or just something that uh, an event or a character in a game that just doesn't sit well with you for some reason. Alana, I know you're a big Shadow Hearts fan, and I think that's kind of like the premier um, horror, horror RPG franchise that sadly isn't running anymore. Yeah, it's probably the most recent example I can think of. Mm-hmm. And even then, it's carried from the kind of decade or where they were fairly big i would say Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i think we probably touched on it we did a shadow hearts covenant double at the beginning of the year and i think we probably touched on something that i'm really fond of and that's the enemy designs in this game particularly in the first one in the second one they get a bit more goofy um i know one of our other regular podcasters hillary is a big fan of kudelka and i'm not as au fait with some of the enemies and the lore in that game because i've not played it but there are always a couple of particular ones that um, stand out for me in those epi- in um, the first game in the series. So, I mean, the one that I've probably... We've probably both talked about this, but there is a really famous one. There's a, no, actually, I think they're in this village. So there's a village in China. I can't remember the specific details, but they've all been eaten by cats, or they're all cat demons now, and... <laughs> It's pretty great. It's re- the, the way Yuri addresses it is it's just like, oh, this is what it's like now. It's fine. And he just walks through and there's all these horrible... The Cavillage in Shadowhearts is kind of the first moment where you're just like, this is a little bit different. I mean, there's obviously something very Lovecraftian about it anyway from the start and you get that. Um, but one enemy that I want to talk about is an enemy called the Postman. And I think yes. we've had some fun discussions about this one. And so... Shadowheart's enemies tend to be quite gross anyway, but this one's particularly fun. So, obviously it plays on the pun of the dogs don't like postmans and things like that. So, the enemy is basically a dog, but instead of its head, I think it's got another arm, which is a postman's arm. And it stands on that hand, and yeah. it kind of just hops around. It's not particularly, <laughs> fri- like, it's p- not particularly like bizarre in the context of Shadowheart's, because you have mm-hmm. some strange things in that game. But, uh... It's pretty wonderful to look at. I really, I'm a big fan of The Postman. It just makes me think of all the things that make the first game really good. Because what the first game has that Covenant doesn't is it has this atmosphere that just makes you feel really uneasy. Covenant is very goofy, but one has got this very, not macabre tone, but it's very much, I don't know, it's very creepy. It's quite Um, phantasmagorical, I'd say. 
Yeah, that's a good word to put it, I think. But there are Hellcats as well on the Cat Village, which I think they've got like flesh hanging off of their arms. There's just some really weird enemy designs. In the second one, the weirdest ones I can think of are like the toy dogs. Although there is a zombie dog, which we like to talk fondly about in the Blanca side quest. Yeah. He was quite cute. He was quite funky. (laughs) Those side quests are wonderful. Yeah, I think Shadow Hearts is good because it doesn't really ever... The first one in particular, it doesn't really ever step into it being jump scares overly scary. And it's just enough to make you think that there is something really bizarre going on. I mean, you've got basically a false god. Um, The final boss is kind of nightmare fuel. Um, (laughs) He's wonderful. Um, But yeah, the atmosphere of those games, especially the music, is really fantastic. And I think that if you want to go and play a RPG, those are ones that you should definitely check out. One Mm. more than two and three three is not scary at all creepy at all (laughs) (laughs) unless unless you count drunk cats as creepy in which case then this is the game for you what i liked so much about shadow hearts is just how um a lot of like the bestiary in particular the descriptions of these creatures they all sounded um (laughs) like they were really drawing from um curses and like their origins are are all suitably creepy i mean you know we've, we've talked at length about the mailman now but um I remembered, um, in particular, the the frog god with the um, with the hand shaped tongue, and it hits. I've looked up its description. It was make one thousand frogs frog mutants devour each other, and the last one remaining becomes a frog god. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, just thinking about um, these awful um, arcane rituals that are just happening nonstop in this world. But the one that's always stuck with me over. Um, it's ever many many years since I first played the first Shadow Hearts was um the um some of the Yamaraja bosses um in particular mm. the um the the wind boss I think it's um I, I think it's it's like a, a a young maiden who has a tragic story in in this seaside village and then she ends up transforming into like this twenty foot tall spindly thing with like a with like a bonnet and a tentacle face <laughs> yes I do remember Lovely. this one oh yeah. yeah. Extra it's weird. an earth one, I believe. Oh, it says Yamatara Wind, and then it says it's an earth boss. Like, <laughs> oh, Yeah, I remember being very confused by that. Yeah, these bosses were really horrible, weren't they? They were they so cool. Really, really do- they, they're really cool. They draw on so much lore, which is really nice. There's always a backstory to them. It's always like, you gave that one for the woman, and there's always really strange, bizarre findings. It's not like they're just, oh no, it's because there's bad air or there's bad manner and monsters have now mm. come out it's like no it's fine they're possessed or they're dead and they've been brought back to life or things have happened they are very very cool these I, bosses i <laughs> think that's the that's so much fun because um yeah you know as you said they don't just go on the oh it's evil energy they they dive into it a little bit but you know they they add just enough flavor there that it's still um, mysterious and obscure, but there's just a little bit more there to get you thinking about exactly exactly what this means, you know? Yeah, it's really clever. Um, another one that just came to mind um, was the echidna, um, which is... I, it's just a snake, and it's... Not knuckles, no, <laughs> definitely not. Um, <laughs> but it's a snake that swallowed a pregnant woman, and oh. it's become a like half-fetus, half-snake... And it's writhing around and screaming. It's beautiful. That's the um, one with the description that it's just in pain all the time, right? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. I had another one in my head, and I cannot remember it. Um, because there are so many good ones in this game. No, not the Kappa. I'll probably come to me, but 
there's too many good enemy designs in this game that are fantastic. Yeah, there definitely are, folks. I mean, if you haven't played Shadow Hearts, and I, I know it might be a little bit difficult to find nowadays, um, have a uh, have a little search through its uh, bestie area. Uh, most of the images are online. Um, Dom, you've been rather quiet. <laughs> um, hit us with what you got. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I was planning on talking um, about Dark Souls. Yeah. Or the franchise as a whole. Good. I, you know, I mean, Dark Souls... I think also borrows quite a lot of elements from, like, well, Shadow Hearts, but also more like traditional, or like maybe not folklore, but it, um, yeah, I think its enemy designs are also pretty, are creepy at times, hmm. and like, um, I think one of the good great things about Dark Souls as well is that it does like it has jump scares, but I think some of the scariest moments are like. Um, it's like you you can see your like impending doom coming upon you because you know you're not ready to handle this enemy. Hmm. Yeah, for instance, like in um, Tomb of the Giants, which is one of the last areas in Dark Souls, you come across like the area is infested with skeletons, and um, at first, like you get scared kind of easily because like yeah, it's like big giant skeleton dudes with glow eyes. Once you think you've adjusted to that enough, like, the real kicker is, like, there's a completely dark area, and they give you a lantern beforehand. So just as you lift your lantern up to look through it, there's this, like, giant four-legged, like, skeleton-dog hybrid, and the first thing it does is pounce upon you, and that was, like, oh, such a scary moment in the game. And, like, that, like, the enemy as well was also just, like, an absolute nightmare to fight against, because, like, its movements were erratic, and it'll just like spin through the air at you and stuff. And it was just yeah, that was actually just straight up nightmare fuel. <laughs> if I remember correctly, like there's multiple ones of those, and while you're you know, you've got the lantern in one hand, so your shield arm is disabled and like you're trying yeah. to like roll around them, but if there's bottomless pits all over that place as well, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That there's, place there's... was a that place was a delight. <laughs> yeah, you, you have a lot to that's vying for your attention in a very um frightening situation yeah and like there are like of course it doesn't help that there are like archers that are just like firing at you from who knows where because mm. like one moment one moment like an arrow just flies from flies in from the right and like another moment another one flies in from the left and you have no idea where they're firing from that place was not very pleasant <laughs> yeah so least. that was one of my mm-hmm. least favorite parts of that journey i gotta say but I also feel like, um, like the entire stretch, like in the early part of the game, from the Undead Burg all the way up to Blight Town, I thought that pl- that part was just like a genuinely well-made, super unnerving, like three-hour stretch of the game. Oh yeah, because it's like you're descending and like things are getting like noticeably more decrepit. Like a lot of the enemies also, because the depths is basically. Like, it's a sewer system. A lot of the enemies also sort of just, like, they look really bloated. And you have, like, giant rats mm. and slimes that you have to fight along the way. It, and then, like, it finishes off with, like, a fairly easy boss. But it's still, like, super scary, nonetheless, with the gaping dragon. I had a tough time with the gaping dragon. Yeah. Whose mm, entire body a... is just teeth. <laughs> it's just a giant mouth. 
<laughs> I love his design. It's yeah. so amazing. Well, I love his, was... his intro when it just looks like a little snake is peeking up and then yeah. it rises up and it's yeah. like the tip of his nose. Yeah. <laughs> He's bigger than I thought. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think its lore is also super interesting in that it was like a dragon that was trapped underneath. And because of because of its hunger, it like transformed into this mouth teeth like <laughs> teeth monster to try and devour whatever it could find. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like a pretty cool way to lead into Blighttown. Which is just another horror show in and of itself. <laughs> I actually liked Blighttown. <laughs> I mean the the frame rate You're goes... the first person I know to say that. <laughs> the frame rate goes nuts there, but I think like a lot of the um a lot of the mood and the lore around it did it for me. And just thinking about how um, these creatures have built like their own little settlement in yeah. s- sewage and have just, you know, become become poison creatures and are just living in this like muck and nastiness. Um, yeah. But what really does it for me in the Souls games, um, and I'm I'm happy that like all of them do this. It's just the um, the disquieting nature of um, of the NPCs. You know, like you'll. Um, I don't know. Just about everybody you'll meet, they'll, you know, they'll thank you for rescuing them, and then they'll give like a, a sinister laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and um, what's what's the name of that guy? The um, uh, I know he's it's Yurt in Demon Souls, but Dark Souls, it's it's the the guy who kills the firekeeper, and you have to go after him. Uh, oh, um, Lautrec is that his name? Yeah, Knight Lautrec. Yeah, the one in the gold armor. That's yeah. right. Yeah, Knight Lautrec. He's a he's a sinister character. <laughs> you, you, yeah. you rescue these you rescue these characters from behind prison doors, and and you're immediately questioning if you've made the right decision. And um, in some cases, you haven't. And um, I I really respect how that series keeps you on your toes with that um, uh, playing with the idea of who is who is safe and. Um, doing a good deed is just opening a, a bigger can of worms. But it's a shame that, like, the later Dark Souls don't really do that. I mean, I think it was, like, most prominent in Dark Souls 1, where the NPCs, like, moved around cool. and they did their own thing. Because, like, it could, and it felt a lot like, like, it wasn't the world revolving around you. Like, you were just part of the bigger picture. Hmm. But in the later Dark Souls, that that is kind of lost and, and like a lot of npcs just like sit around at the main base i mean there's so. yeah. there's some of that in dark souls 3 but um i think the problem with that game is it's it's so arcane to um you know raise some of these quest flags that it's very yeah. easy to just end a storyline without knowing why that's happened or what or what you've done wrong um yeah and i think I think Dark Souls One excels at just having that um, having that dynamism that you mentioned. It doesn't feel like yeah, exactly. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, Bloodborne's all right about it too, um, but yeah, I, I don't. I I think few games do it as well. No games do it as well as the first Dark Souls. That's that's for sure. And just you know, one of one of the first NPCs you meet is um, uh, hiding hiding something quite sinister. The um the, fellow the crestfallen who, uh, knight, not the crestfallen knight. Um the um the cleric who's selling miracles. Oh yeah, yeah, he's a special <laughs> boy. <laughs> but I guess um I guess we'll move on ahead to um, haunting moments in RPGs that aren't necessarily horror games. Or um, I guess this can kind of be 
um, conflated with um, games that are unintentionally horrifying for some reason. Alana, do you have any uh, examples of this before I um, rattle on? Oh, I know you'll have loads. I trust you. But <laughs> I do have a couple. Um, I want to stick with one. And this is more to do with the music in the game. When we had this topic idea going, um, and I'm recently, with my SNES Mini, I'm replaying Secret of Mana with my other half. And oh, cool. There are... So there are the, um, oh, they are the tombs or the temples. There's a couple, there's two of them. And the one in Old Town and the one, or the one off of um, Pandora and the other one off of the um, Royal City, um, the Empire. That's right. And um, both of these dungeons have extremely creepy, cool music. And when I was really little, I was about eight or nine maybe when I played this, this music used to give me the chills. It's just eight bits of bell or 16 bit music bells and um chimes and the dungeons themselves aren't particularly creepy but they definitely have this vibe of you know they're full of zombies they're full of these like little i tell you what is horrifying about the second one in particular those damn bubble enemies that you have to <laughs> use magic on and they just jump all the time and it's like please stop but um they're really i really like the atmosphere it's kind of a the Secret of Man has not necessarily got the most fantastic atmosphere because it's just cutesy kids running around killing rabbits and stuff. But these dungeons in particular are really good at making you feel really uncomfortable. And I think the penultimate boss in the game as well, which is the um, Lich, has some really, really creepy music as well. I mean, he is just a half-suspended skeleton with lots of robes over him. Um, but those moments in Secret of Mana have always stuck out for me because they are so different from the rest of the bright and colourful game. That You've got these really misty dungeons that are a bit of a pain to get through. They're some of the longer ones in the game as well. And um, they just have this really foreboding music that's rhythmic and almost, I don't know, it's almost like someone's chanting a curse at you or something. It's just really great. And they just used to really freak me out when I was little. I mean, they're fine now, but they've still got this really nice, cool atmosphere that I've always kind of longed for in 8-bit RPGs, 16-bit RPGs, because they're not always that creepy. And, and props to Kikuta for doing such a great soundtrack and such a good job at that one. I know the bit that you mean. That used to creep me out a lot as a, as a kid as well. That mm-hmm. sort of the Balinese-inspired um, Balinese um, yeah. minimal music with the synth uh, gamelan. Um, and I used right. to, yeah. I used to spend a lot of time in those areas just because it was completely unlike the rest of that game. I mean, the, the, uh, the witch's forest yeah. is still pretty dark, but it's got that, um, it's got that light music. Um, but then this is just like, it feels like it's from a different game <laughs> and, um, mm. yeah, it does. If I remember correctly, I think one of them is like the base of a cult and there's like all these people wearing masks That's who correct. just won't speak. So it's Pandora. The first time you go there, uh, you can't get in there because they're guarded by these people with masks and they don't talk because Pandora is being gradually all the people are being possessed and drawn into this cult by Thanatos. If anyone's called Thanatos, don't ever trust them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those rooms are really creepy. But now, like when I went back recently, it just made me laugh because there are these really bizarre enemies. I can't remember what they're called, but they're like tomato towers. It's just a tomato (laughs) head on like a little floating platform and they just keep summoning these zombies and i'm just like why was i scared this is silly but yeah you hit the nail on the head really the atmosphere does a lot for it Mm, definitely definitely does Mm. um i've got some more but i'll wait we can okay yeah we can we can trade off um how about you dom 
Um, well, what at the moment that kind of stood out to me that was really sort of bizarrely scary was in Stardew Valley. Ooh, when really? you first, yeah, when you, Ooh. well, like the, like it was really unexpected because, like, you know, you've been having a really jolly good time, like farming and fishing and getting to know the villagers. And then you head to the mines. And the first time you reach some of those, like, really, like, like, level, like, 70-plus levels in the mines, like, it's pitch black. You have no idea, like, it's a brand new floor. You have no idea what's going on. And all of a sudden, you hear these, like, like, you hear these, like, new enemies that you've never, like, you, like, new sound effects for new enemies, and you have no idea where they're coming from. And then, like, all of a sudden, you're just dying. So it's, like, it's, it's like, really sort of, like... (laughs) It was, like, very strange. And then, like, actually dying in the game just, like, involves you going back to the hospital, but still, it was, like, really unnerving. <laughs> I can remember this, like, first time I died, I don't think I went into the mines for another, like, week of in-game time, so... <laughs> Amazing. I remember being um, pretty surprised by that. Like, you know, you know, you get quite far down, and, like, the music's, the music gets more sparse, but it's still quite um, upbeat. And then... Yeah. You know, a, a floor will get completely covered in, in mist and the music will stop and, you know, yeah. you get a message saying, oh, all the monsters are coming. And then, like, all these um, flying insects come at you just endlessly yeah. until the mist goes away. And that that sound, um, that sound really does yeah, does it, something it, to me, cool. especially when we're wearing headphones. I've got a thing about bees because I got stung in the eyeball when I was five. Um, Ooh, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, so, um, I too. That's, that's not a, I. That's a phobia that I've gotten a little bit better about, but only in very recent years. Um, it's, still, uh, it's still enough to... Understandable. <laughs> Excellent, yeah. Yeah, Ooh. it set something primal in me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I'm... if anyone... If, sorry. If you've ever played Final Fantasy XIV online, you'll know the bees are a bad thing, because there are some bees in a particular dungeon that kill you in one hit. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like, oh, like, no, no, no. And they come out, and you just everyone panics and like, no, kill the bees, and you probably get shouted at. But it's like I didn't know they killed you in one hit. So yeah, I avoid the bees at all costs and anything. The, the insects also like buzz really loudly, and I like I'm also like terrible at like with creepy crawlies and stuff and insects. Mm. So like that was also very sort of very unnerving to go through, hmm. <laughs> especially when the game spawns like three or four of them at once. Yeah. Like oh, buzzing everywhere. They have to keep track of because they just they fly through the walls and and just uh, dive bomb you and it's it's yeah. it's, not, it's not the best combat engine but I mean it's not it's not you know designed for that. It's passable. Yeah, no, I, I had fun diving into the mines. Um, I haven't gotten to the bottom yet, but I'm I think I'm in the nineties. And Alana, you reminded me of an embarrassing story. This isn't even a horror story. This is just my own personal <laughs> personal horror of. Um, playing Ragnarok online like 15 years ago um, late at night and um, fighting a bunch of bee enemies in a field of flowers and then um, a bee flew in through the window and landed on a flower on the screen and I just like ran out of the room <laughs> screaming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. I would do the same. I came back in like every couple hours and it was still there just like trying to pollinate the screen. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've had... I've had bees land on me whenever I'm wearing something particularly floral, but yeah. I'm just like, yeah, bees are not good. One thing that I used to find really creepy as a kid was um, the corridors in the um, in the first uh, first first Fantasy Star. Um, it had these first person dungeons um, that 
they were all like every every wall and every corridor was identical due to the technological restraints at the time. Um, but the scrolling was really smooth for the era, um, and even it's even smoother than some Super Nintendo games that did first-person dungeons later. Um, so I found them quite immersive, and you had to draw a map on paper yourself um, in those days. So, like, I'd it was really easy to get lost in one if you just didn't have the patience to draw a map, like like I didn't at a very very young age. So um, I. I'd get trapped, and then I'd think about what it would be like to, you know, be trapped in one of these, these endless, endless identical corridors, like a disquieting shade of blue, and um, you know, the random encounters would jump up out of nowhere, or you know, you'd find a chest, and most likely it would be trapped, and it would explode and take out most <laughs> of your team. Um, and you know, in retrospect, that just sounds frustrating, but um, I, I just. Just being being in a dungeon that's just the same, except for you know a left turn here and a right turn here, um, it it used to freak me out when I played that game for for long stretches of time. Um, the final dungeon in particular had this really gloomy music, and um, you weren't fully in it until you until you dropped down a whole bunch of pits, which you know functioned as a point of no return before the final boss. But um, it's like wow, well you're not getting out of there. Um, it was. Um, <laughs> Sim- simplistic, uh, simplistic but effective um, messaging of uh, messaging of a point of no return um, mm. that I hadn't really seen any other game at the time do. Um, but um, more also... corridors. Sorry. Yeah. Go no. On. Go ahead, please. Uh, I was going to just add to it and just say that like narrow corridors are something that just creeps me out in general. Like watching people play those first-person RPGs always makes me feel really uneasy because maybe maybe that's why I can't play Resident Evil 7 because the corridors in that basement are just so narrow that I will turn around <laughs> and there'll be something there and I'm just going to freak out and so it's just it the association <laughs> yeah the association that I have with those narrow corridors and turning the corner and there being an enemy it's I just yeah I, I struggle with those just because they creep me out they make me feel really nervous all the time yeah they used to freak me out a lot as a kid um I had the beholder at a similar kind of thing where um, enemies would just uh, oh they they were a little bit less random in I of the beholder I think they would follow you around so it was uh, quite difficult to uh, escape from an encounter uh, once it had had uh, targeted on you um, and you know like being in these you know one one square wide hallways um, <laughs> with a monster and unable to get around I sympathize I really do um, <laughs> but um. <laughs> I also like use of mechanics um, to drive home a drive home a point. Um, and what I'm thinking here is um, many RPGs include the un- the unwinnable boss fight as a plot point, but um, a few of them uh, a few of them you can die to, and you have to um, you have to select to run away on your own. Um, and um, I I really like that kind of thing because you're you're actually turning tail and 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 running against these. Um, unbeatable odds like the um the living forest in in fantasy star 4 um mm-hmm. i was thinking about that where you you have to get this this plot item to to burn down these living trees but you can just get into this battle and just like fight these trees where another one grows in its place every time you uh cut one down um and that's that's got a, a big old quest to get that torch to burn that uh burn that forest down and on the other side of the forest is like this um like biological tower of like guts and and bone beautiful but there was the there's the rat the rat cave sacrifice in um 
uh, Romancing Saga 3 as well, where um, it's it's a relatively normal village, except they're sacrificing sacrificing townspeople every so often to this monster in this cave. And um, I think you, you masquerade as a sacrifice to get in there, and you find that everybody's being sacrificed <laughs> to, like, this giant horde of rats that you have to... Um, <laughs> you have have to escape from and like it's not even the boss music doesn't even play it's just like the music cuts out and it's just like this ambient sound of like thousands of squeaks all at once which actually sounds kind of cute in retrospect but uh <laughs> <laughs> no but uh having to escape from that rat cave that's um that's one of my favorite bits of that game but um we can come back to me <laughs> oh, i hate those kind of uh-huh. <laughs> um so Obviously, because I'm on a podcast, I have, like, a legal obligation to speak about this game. Um, Skies of Arcadia has a really creepy bit that always used to freak me out as a kid. So, it's, yeah, it's not very far into the game. So, it's after Fina or Fina gets captured and you have to go to Valua, which is the town, like, the villain stronghold, basically. Um, So, the city's split up into two. So, there's the upper side, which is all lavish and gold and all the aristocrats live there. But, obviously, you have to um, land in Lower Town, which is basically really dingy, dark, grim. Um, Everyone's in poverty. Uh, There are kids, like, crawling around for bread and things like that. And so, you have to go under the catacombs, which, to save your pirate crew and to save Fina, because... um, uh, they're going to get executed and the bodies get thrown under the um, Colosseum, which goes to the catacombs. And so I think the dungeon music here, again, is particularly creepy. I think it's called Dungeon Ruins. So if it's not hugely atmospheric again, but this place just used to really gross me out. Some of the enemies were particularly gross. So there were like men, like zombies that have got parasites or bugs on the back of them and they're bent and hunched over backwards and... They spray acid at you and they can hug you and try and they poison you as oh. well. Um, but um, the, <laughs> the particular um, culprit is a boss for this one. And I used to absolutely hate it. And I think if I remember rightly, it's called Bleagock. And it's right underneath the Colosseum where all these bodies get thrown. And so as you approach it, there is this like path of skulls and bones and everything. And you come up to this thing and it's just like a giant gelatinous blob. But you can see straight through it and you can see its guts and you can see bones in its stomach and it's got this really horrible face. And I'm looking it up now. The, I remember this. Yeah. So um, I think the description of it is something like monster that lives under the Colosseum. It, it like ate off the ate the um, corpses of the people who were executed or something like that but um yeah which it just used to freak me out as when i was really little and i just follower always used to creep me out anyway because the follower town music is really horrible and it's just really dingy and nasty but this boss in particular i mean it pukes on you that was its special <laughs> so it used to puke all over you and poison you and i think i used to find it really difficult when i was little but it was just a really nasty moment in an otherwise very nice game that I used to hate. Once you get past it, it's okay, and the rest of the game's really nice. I don't think there's anything else in particular that creeped me out about it, but yeah, Bleagock was just something that always stuck in my mind, and I always get a little bit wary as I go up to it, but now there's an easy way of doing it. So yeah, it was just more of a memory thing for me that Bleagock's always stuck in my head as like creepy, but just kind of there but at least he's got a bit of a purpose like he he's just evolved out of these dead corpses and just eats them so 
it looks happy pirating. It looks very Sega. I mean, Skies of Arcadia is like, <laughs> yeah, one, is, is like one side of Sega, the the um the bright green hill zone side, and then this is like the alien <laughs> alien syndrome or alien storm side. And it's like they've come together mm. in this uh, <laughs> to meet in the middle. Mm. Yeah, there's nothing else like it in the game at all. Like, everything else is Green Hill Zone, pretty much. And then this is just like, oh, here we go. This is what we do sometimes as well. But <laughs> yeah, nice little touch. <laughs> Zelda games, I mean, tend to be kind of creepy in a way. I mean, Twilight Princess and Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, which we also did on the podcast last year, are particularly frightening. And we spent a lot of time talking about just how unsettling terminer is in terms of well i mean the moon has got to be one of the creepiest things ever and the first time i ever saw it was in smash bros and it just used to scare the hell out of me but playing it on the 3ds and with the time limit obviously it's not as strict as it on the n64 version really really just it knew that game knew how to make me feel uncomfortable about everything that i did it doesn't matter like every single townsfolk is has a particular quirk I mean, I don't know mm. if you're aware of man who sells the masks. He is the most bizarre NPC in that entire series. He's and really good. He really, really, he's really fantastic. Um, but Ocarina of Time always gets a bit of a, like, it was, I feel it's a little bit creepier because maybe the whole atmosphere is not as creepy as Majora's Mask. But there are some nasty moments and there are the um, temple under the well. I think it's the Temple of Darkness probably is one of the nastiest places in probably Nintendo history. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, in particular, the I can't remember what the boss is called, but there's the boss in the prison, which has all the hands that come out of the ground, Ooh. and it walks towards you and wobbles towards you, and it is nightmare stuff. Like, I could never watch my brother play Ocarina of Time when it first came out, because yeah. it just used to scare the hijibis out of me. Um, especially the Deku Tree. The Deku Tree's got a really unsettling face and it just used to creep me out all the time but am i yeah i mean some of the bosses in that game are really cool as well but the temple of darkness is a really nice place actually the forest temple was the other one that i that used to freak me out because you'd have the the wall hands that would come from the ceiling and just grab you at any given moment and the only way you'd know is by this noise like you know the cartoon noise where if something drops like a piano drops from a cliff that same noise kind of they kind of make the same noise as that as they drop down and then the next thing you know link is like ah and then he's just like you're put back to the beginning of the dungeon it's like <laughs> what was that the all masters or whatever they're called they were really horrible but um zelda does a really nice job of um doing slightly creepy moments i haven't come across anything in breath of the wild yet but i'm sure i mean the yeah. constant fear of getting lost all the time if that counts but you know zelda's good at doing things like that isn't that kind of the point of Breath of the Wild? Just to, like, take <laughs> yeah. you into the world yeah. or wherever oh, you want it? Yeah. Um, they, they're, they're more comical than they are scary, but um, I do find the presence of the Yiga clan to be quite uh, disquieting. Like, you know, if you're just, uh, you know, riding yeah. your horse out in the fields and there's, like, a uh, just a lady asking you to stop, and, and she's basically just saying nonsense to you, and it, and it just uh, <laughs> ends with her transforming into a ninja and attacking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, um, <laughs> you know, when that happens more and more and, and, um, the camera will zoom in on the, on the person's face as they, uh, as their eyes change and they're, uh, and they're about to attack. It's, um, it's a good moment, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that is good. Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, Breath of the Wild is one of the more, uh, it seems like it's more light in tone than some of the more recent entries, hmm. but yeah, I, I mean, also think that works in its own... favor. 
It does. I think the only things that have really unsettled me are the shrine. When you do a shrine, there is this, like, dead, I don't know what they're called, are they priests? And they look like re-deads. They look horrible. I do not want one of them to wake up. They look disgusting. They do. They look like they're just bloodborne or something. They, they do, don't they? They really creep me out. It's like, well, yeah, I've done the trial now. They, like, give you a <laughs> but It's like, good. I'm going to leave now. It's fine. Those yeah, are the those... by its cover. They're your nice friends. <laughs> they are nice for They are definitely nice friends. But yeah. <laughs> I, I mentioned um, I mentioned romancing saga earlier, and I think um, I think all of the saga games are very uh, creepy in their own way. Um, some of that is because like they're just so um, rough and sometimes unfinished i mean the first romancing saga was famously unfinished um Mm -hmm. uh it didn't really get its uh well it got a wonder swan port where they put back in a whole bunch of dummy dummied out content and um then of course there was the swan yeah there was the playstation (laughs) 2 remake that uh tried to restore a bunch of stuff as well but um that that first release of romancing saga on super famicom um like it would, you know, they tell you to, 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 um, you could have a side quest to get the eight fate stones and like only, I think only like five of them were actually in the game. <laughs> um, but that's not particularly scary. Um, I really liked, uh, the Kulong area in, um, Saga Frontier on the PlayStation one, um, which is, uh, which is based on, on walled city, uh, Kowloon. Um, and there's a, there's a bit in Kulong where, um, there's you're going through the back streets um which kind of functions as a dungeon in itself and there's a um there's a doctor's office and um you go into the doctor's office and there's there's a patient um sitting in the waiting room and and the music cuts out and it's just this ticking of a clock and uh you try to talk to this patient and his head falls off and he's a skeleton in a trench coat um at which point like the the uh the chime on this clock uh, rings and and the door opens and um and you go in there and there's this this doctor in a white coat who says like okay well we're we're ready to operate just lay down on the table and you just run out <laughs> um like well what's the story with that um but um if you if you activate a side quest to um to get all the um to to learn all the magic in the game um you you Go back in there and you, um, you know, he's like, lay down on the table. It's like, actually, do you want to help me find some magic? And he's like, yes, I will. <laughs> and then he joins the party. Um, Dr. Nusaka, and he's one of the, one of the strongest characters um, that you can get. Um, but uh, it took me a long time to find that he was just bizarrely playable um, rather than just a, a, uh, a horrifying moment just for the sake of it. Um, mm-hmm. I think Saga Frontier was really good at that kind of thing. There was um, there's the the bio lab as well, uh, where um, there was meant to be a quest around this, but it got it, it wasn't finished. So they just put in this full dungeon with scientists who you'd talk to, and they they'd say, um, "Oh, you should be like us. Uh, it, it's wonderful here." And then they'll transform into monsters and attack <laughs> you. Um, <laughs> but like, there's no reason Classic. for it, there's no reason for it to be there. <laughs> I, no. I, I really dig that kind of thing. Near Automato? Yeah, the game as a whole is... Um, I think it's just pretty just creepy in general, even if it doesn't seem that way. I always thought in the back of my, in my mind that this was just, like, a very odd game. Hmm. Like, not only because it's just, like, this, like, giant world has just these, like, randomly has, like, animals and, like, robots just strewn around, but... Um, <laughs> But, like, the first real, like, insanely, like, sort of, like, 
very unnerving moment was when, um, like, the giant worms started appearing from the sky, like the giant robotic worms. Oh, yeah. And it's, like, it's like really bizarre. Oh, yeah. Because, like, you see them from a distance, <laughs> and you're like, surely this is just some backdrop or just, like, something that will just, like, go away. But, like, no, you just go there, and they start, like, flying <laughs> towards you very slowly. Uh, and, like, I remember this bit. Yeah, and, like, you, and, like, it's, like, the, I think the worst part is, is that you can't really do much about them. Like, I don't, like, I think the only thing, the only thing I remember is I had to, like, I just had to jump up and mash all my attack buttons and pray to God that it, like, damaged, <laughs> damaged their one vulnerable part. <laughs> hmm. And, like, beyond that, they do a lot of damage, and they just, like, keep on following you. Mm. It was just, like, a generally sort of very unnerving bit. Especially when, like, two or three of them spawn at once during one of the quests during at some point during the plot. And it's, like, it becomes a real hassle. Yeah. I mean, Yoko Taro, anyway, is good at doing unnerving. Um, yeah. <laughs> jump back in. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about Dragon Guard, and I'll go into Nier as well, the first game, because that has got some really creepy moments. But Dragon Guard has a boss that's just basically lots of babies, doesn't it? Or it something does. like that. Yeah, babies with, ba- <laughs> babies with wings and teeth. It's horrible. <laughs> it's like something else I'm going to talk about in a minute. But um, I know more about the first Nier in particular. Um. Nier itself is a very uncomfortable experience uh, because of how strange and bizarre it is. I mean, you're going around with a talking book to start off with, but some of the, like, the particular, my favourite thing about the original Nier, and perhaps something that slightly trumps the newer one, is the enemies, because they're all shades. So the shades are basically, oh, this is a long time ago. These are the remains of the people who have died, as far as I'm aware. So they're like the soul, but actually they're corrupted because they've been um poisoned by some disease um but in your first playthrough you attack them and they make these really strange wispy noises and after you finish the game i mean you can play near it's got four different endings so it's nice to play it four times every time you complete it you can hear more of what they say so when you start killing them they start like asking for help or saying things to you and it's really uncomfortable and just generally very bizarre but the enemy designs in near are actually really cool so i remember some of the giant shades that you have to fight in particular there's the lizard that walks across the wall i mean they just look really haunting because they're just these i don't want to say husk because they're not they're the inside of the people or whatever but so they're like they're the soul that's just been corrupted and they're completely twisted and bizarre i mean near is very good at making you feel uncomfortable and making you feel invested in the main characters and one of the ways it does it is by these shades and by the way that they communicate with you as you play through more and emil's quite disturbing in a sense as well as adorable as he is i mean my adorable Mm. little skeleton boy he is a little bit disturbing and his kind of mannerisms but in a kind of kooky way but yokotaro is very good at making you feel slightly uncomfortable at all times really um (laughs) I didn't really know what to expect going into that first near um, when it came out uh, mm. because you know they what they show they they showed a very they presented that game in a particular light and then you fire that game up for the first time and and um, you know you're in that that snow field by that supermarket and you're just killing more and more of these shades um, mm. for, for minutes and minutes and minutes um, and even before um, even before you get that first ending and you start to unlock what these shades are saying to you I remember like early on. Um, 
like slaughtering my way past like a group of these these smaller sh- smaller shades and just like wiping them all out and there's blood everywhere and like they they drop items and one of them like dropped like a children's coloring book and I was like oh no this this is not gonna, <laughs> this is not oh, going to yeah. be good I remember that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um so I think we've missed out a kind of horror RPG that's worth talking about, or a series. I'm not talking about the third game because I've never played it and it's terrible. Uh, Parasite Eve, we should yeah. talk about for definite. So I we've done an episode on we it. Should, we have done a double, triple, or double episode on it. It was one of our earlier episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but Parasite Eve is a really good game. Again, it's another very atmospheric horror game. Um, but I really like the designs of the enemies in it. Again, and I want to focus on a couple of bosses as well. So. Um, one of the first boss that you have to fight after Eve is the alligator in the sewer. So you have to fight all of these mutated rats. So it's quite similar to Dark Souls, I suppose, in the sense that they're really, I mean, there's flesh hanging off them. They've got like gaping wounds and things like that. But the alligator doesn't look like an alligator at all. And it's kind of the first, I remember really struggling with this boss, actually. It was the first time where i had to just go well what's going on kind of thing so it's got no eyes and that's always a big thing for me like things that don't have eyes make me feel really uncomfortable and (laughs) it's just i don't know it looks more like a dinosaur with a really really big tail and it's got electric protruding out of its teeth and it just it's really gross um you have to fight two of them in the uh, bonus dungeon in the game at all the same time but they're not too hard um just very, very nasty. Um, one that does particularly stick with me, though, other than the final boss, which I want to talk about because t- uh, babies with teeth and wings, you know, um, <laughs> is Kerberos, which is there's a quest in the game where I think one of the oh, policemen's so dogs. Yeah, one of the policemen's the daughter goes missing and she's chasing after the dog. And once you get to the top of the building, the dog has been infected by mitochondria. Uh, so he transforms the, um, it's a Shiva. It might actually be a girl. Um, but she- this dog, yeah, Shiva's the dog this time. A, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, this dog is very beautiful. Um, so if you think it's kind of very Resident Evil in design, I think when I look <laughs> at it, um, it's got its three heads. Uh, but it's it instead of having it's got three mouths as well. But it's also got a mouth in between its three heads. So think of Cerberus, and then think of like a gap in the middle of its like neck, and it's got a another eye in the middle as well um it's got spikes and just general bones and nastiness protruding out of its skin dripping blood everywhere slobbering everywhere it's really gross but i really really like it and i think like we've alluded to it is really sad because i mean i like dogs so anything that happens to them is horrible um does anything die does it i can't remember yeah it's like old it's like old yeah you gotta empty a clip into that thing that's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you do have oh. to. Good. I didn't know if we recovered afterwards, but my, that's me blacking out the bad things in life. Yeah. Um, I think that is the end of that dog. It's quite a, quite a sad moment. It is horrible. It's a good boss, though. Um, there's also a Spider-Woman as well, which I say it's... You've seen Spider-Womans in RPGs. But um, Ultimate Being, or UB, is pretty, pretty spectacular. It's mm. not necessarily creepy, but the final boss this is another i think for me what makes things creepy is music and a lot of the ones that i've picked out have had music and ub which is the track the final boss track is particularly chilling because it's got this constant really low 
choir throughout it and it just picks up and up and up and every time the boss has got four forms so it starts off as a little baby and then i think it gets wings and then it turns into an adolescent and then it turns into i mean i want to say a fish but it also looks like terror tower from chrono cross now that i look at it so it's (laughs) like it does a little bit um but yeah ub is fun i mean the whole of that end sequence in the game anyway is really creepy because it's the the aim of Eve is that she wants to give birth to the ultimate being, so she goes to a sperm bank, gets some sperm, impregnates herself, sits on an island, and you try and kill her, but it's too late because the baby comes out of the ocean, and this is a really redux version of it, and yeah, and it's got an um oh, it's got an umbilical cord sticking out as well, so Lovely. just to add little things. Hmm. <laughs> so yeah, so it evolves from baby to child which the child's got like a head sticking out of the back of it, like a snake. And then adolescent, which looks like a Resident Evil boss again. And then UB, which looks like Terra Tower with a fish. Mm. So I'm a stingray. <laughs> but yeah, the the boss is really good because every, every form, it, the music changes. So at the start, you've just got the really low choir and then you get... I can't remember when the percussion comes in. I think it must be the second stage. And the third stage just picks up a bit. And then you get some really funky synth effects in the last bit. But <laughs> I really like the way that boss builds up. But mm-hmm. one thing that, that the bit that creeps me out about the boss is the bit after the boss, which is also probably the worst and most frustrating part of the game, where you have to run through the ship to blow it up to kill the boss. So after you've oh, fought it yeah. for 10, 15 minutes, you have to, it chases you. But it's always right behind you. So if you take a wrong turn, you're dead. And you have to do all four phases again. So it's nasty. Um, I do like the... It's bad design. Sounds like a chore. It is a chore. Um, It's not too hard, though. Um, There's only like two or three wrong turns you can take. But it is a bit of a nightmare, especially where it's such a long boss. And you can't, like... Even if you're, like, overpowered and have all of Aya's best moves, you can't just, like, one-shot it. You have to, like, whittle it down over time. But um, I like... I both love and hate the end sequence because it's just... It's really unsettling because you think you've beaten it and then all of a sudden it's crawling after you and you then have to do... Calmly get through this ship. And probably the reason I remember it so... Not... uh, Not... But I remember it fondly, but also remember it negatively is because I failed that first time and it just made me realise how kind of important and how creepy that bit was. <laughs> Bad design, but definitely maybe to its benefit because that's why I remember it being so like, oh, it's an alien or whatever it is. But yeah. It's good. It's a creepy game. I love them. I've not played the second one and I intend to, but my oh, quick glance... Watch out. Is, Watch out. Yeah, I, I am I'm really not a fan of that second game. <laughs> yeah, I've heard mixed opinions on it. I've seen the designs of the enemies, and some of them are really creepy, but a lot of them are very gelatinous and blobby again. So it's like, it's not anything I haven't seen before. The final bosses were really disappointing as well, considering that UB's kind of importance and the build-up to him. But mm. yeah, don't play 3. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't played don't... 3, but I've heard... Yeah, I've, I've heard things... <laughs> I haven't played it either, but uh, yeah. Have you, have you played uh, Parasite Eve, Tom? I have not. Uh, I have, yeah. It I should do. I don't own a PS2 or any of the classic consoles. Ooh. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. I started Aww. on the PS3, so. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, well, if you've, got a, if you've got a PS3, it's on It's on the US PSN. 
for a, a oh, is it? yeah yeah it's not much at all it's definitely worth it it does take a bit of getting used to but um once you've got used to it it's quite easily easy to plow through you don't ever have to be over leveled in particular so yeah, it's definitely it's another series that's died out. I don't like. It's sad that all of these kind of slightly creepy horror RPGs have died out because well, they are they're quite a niche, I suppose. But Parasite you can see Eve where a, they were going well. was a tie-in to to a movie, which was a which was a which was yes. based on a based on a book. And um, the whole reason mm. they called that the third birthday was because they didn't have the license anymore. Um, and I guess uh, they they. Well, they chose to t- take that in a direction that nobody really uh, was interested in. So I guess that's that's the last that we will see of um, Aya and uh, and those mm. characters. <clears throat> Possibly for the best after that. <laughs> but um, I, yeah. I distinctly remember like a giant centipede boss that splits into four and then, like, <laughs> oh, oh, um, yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> runs all around you, spitting poison. This is horrible. <laughs> Yeah, I do remember that one. That's good. Yeah, definitely worth playing and check out our episodes on the, that game because mm. they're really cool. And it's a very short, it's only like 10 hours, so it's not that hard to get through at all. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I guess any Halloween episode would be remiss if I didn't mention Shin Megami Tensei, but I'm not going to talk about it too much because <laughs> we'll be here all day. Uh, but um, <laughs> over the course of our uh, over the co- course of our conversation today, um, I remembered um, the reverse reverse hills from um, Shin Megami Tensei Four. Oh, where, um, I've heard about these. Yeah, the uh, the Rapongi area it's uh, governed by this yakuza group called the called the Ashurakai. And um, they're they're putting out these um, propaganda videos saying you know like oh come to uh, come under our protection and obey our rules and and look there's uh, uh, happy children here in a daycare and uh, everything's good because because uh, we're in charge um, and you um, you break into the reverse hills which is like it's underground skyscrapers underneath uh, Rapongi hills um, and you get in there and it's this. Um, it's like this uh, this evil science lab, which, like thinking about it now, it's probably actually a bit distasteful. But um, they um, they're using they're using these people as as what they call seed beds, where they're um, they've got mm-hmm. them hooked up to these machines, oh. and they're like harvesting their brain matter to uh, basically like giving them lobotomies <laughs> to make little treats uh, to bribe the demons with to keep them away. Um, but then there's like there's like ladies strapped to tables who are being forcefully impregnated to like produce <laughs> more and more kids, who, oh. and then like the kids get used as as get their brains scooped out. Um, and yeah, yeah. In, in retrospect, <laughs> yeah, actually saying that out loud, that's uh, yeah, that's more more bad taste than it is um, uh, anything else. But um, I remember that whole <laughs> that whole segment just being horrifying, and and you know, like going through this area, and when you're not uh, when you're not fighting demons, you're uh, going into the rooms and seeing what kind of atrocities are just being carried out in um, in the name of uh, the quote unquote greater good, uh, which is not, and you end up yeah. taking taking it all down, and rightfully so. Yeah, that moment stuck with me. That's a very disquieting game all the way through. Um, mm. I like uh, I like the optional areas later on that have it's got this really creepy music, and you've got like a one in two hundred and fifty six chance to run into one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Um, <laughs> And I, I like yes. that kind of, I like that kind of hidden, uh, hidden boss fight. But 
uh, they could have stood to make the odds on that a little bit better because I mean I didn't have the patience to keep going in and out and try and make that happen. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I think I think the idea is in the right tell. place. It's just the execution that mm-hmm. it falls down on. Anything else from you guys before we close out this, this frightening session? Um, I guess I want to talk very briefly before we close off about another RPG that the podcast has covered. Um, okay, we're in no hurry, so uh, please take your time. So I'll touch on Earthbound a little bit because that game is, it's in the same vein as, um, I'm not going to talk about the final boss because that's been kind of blood dry a little bit. But um, so that game is another game that's really unsettling for the bizarre, obviously for the bizarre humor. And I love Earthbound so much, but there are a couple of moments that really kind of creep me out i suppose so the one thing that i always remember is the first time that i get to four side and the first time that i flip over to the other side and i just remember how but like weirded out i was and how bizarre everything hmm. seemed to be i mean it's just i mean earthbound is a very unusual of rpg anyway in terms of its <laughs> execution and its story and everything which is why i adore it so much but um Foresight was the very moment where I kind of had to just stop and pause a little bit and realise. So basically, it goes from normal city to it's neon and black and white and Moonside. everybody's with you. Drink milk, don't you? Yeah. Is that, yeah. You drink milk or something to get there or some weird concoction. And then they're like, oh, you're there now. And I can't remember in detail. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, it's just how normally. The thing is, is Earthbound deals with everything so nonchalantly and normally that... It just, you know, like, you're supposed to accept everything that happens throughout it, um, but it, you just can't. It's so odd. I think replaying it would be doing me a lot of favours, because I do really adore everything that it did, but Foresight is, like, the one bit where I sort of went, oh my god. But um, the original, I should say the original Earthbound, or Earthbound Zero, or Mother, or whatever. Oh, is, you reviewed it, didn't you? It, I did, yeah. Um... I bet that was an so there are some... <laughs> I appreciate its existence, but yeah, it's not aged well at all. People say that the um, Earthbound hasn't aged well, but actually it has. So oh, it's... compared yeah. to Mother, definitely. Yeah, that is a difficult game. Um, well, I mean, it's not difficult until you get to like the very last few hours. And then when you get to the last city and then go up Mount Toy, which famously they didn't have enough time to test. And so everything kills you in one hit. And it's like, oh, okay. Final boss is okay, though. But yeah, I suppose if we are going to talk about final bosses, then I think um, Geek from the original Mother is probably creepier than Gygus from Earthbound Mother 2. Because a little bit. I think it's because there's no music in that boss at all. Like, it's literally just a couple of chipped beats of i don't know it's just i think the only thing you can hear is the kind of noise that he makes when he uses his special attack Mm -hmm. but it might just be my kind of uncomfortableness with fetal figures and things like that because he is essentially just like a not a fetus but he's like a pre-life form kind of Mm -hmm. squiggle with a head on it and there's no music in that section and he just comes down on his spaceship and he even though that Gygus in Earthbound is very creepy with the kind of speech that he uses, um, Gyg or Geeg that he's kind of trying to tempt you over and he's just, I mean, it uses the same mechanics as the um, uh, more recent or the more popular game, 
has and that you have to pray and you basically have to hear him help basically um but yeah i think it's because i watched a video of it before it had been um localized officially when i was researching earthbound and mother and things like that and i just remember watching it and just freaking out really because <laughs> i don't know it was just weird but yeah Geiger's in itself is creepy but everyone goes on about it so much that i'm almost immune to it i suppose um but then i guess the cave of the past is a quite horrifying experience in itself mm. because of the way it looks and the way it designs uh, it's designed so you have to go thousands of years back into the past and your souls are embedded into robots um this is in uh, found um and the inside for lack of better words looks like either intestines or fallopian tubes if you want to go down the whole route that everybody <laughs> thinks uh, yeah, the final boss is yeah <laughs> i'm not 100 percent there no but um I was for a while, but I think I don't. After what um, Itoya said, I don't think I believe it. Um, I but think, yeah, it depends. I think he'd probably be a little bit classier than that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, yeah, it's, but yeah, I mean, it just, for, all right then. It looks like intestines for definite. It just looks like the inside of something. It's a really nasty place. Um, I mean, any of those, yeah. any of those sort of biological dungeons—they are all going to look inherently mm. womb-like, and um, I think there is something to be said for that. But I think the, I think that the rest of the theories surrounding that I don't really subscribe to. But um, yeah, it is no. definitely, it is definitely womb-like in there. I think so. Yeah, Earthbound's an unusual series that is worth playing. For yeah, definitely. definitely. There's a bit in Mother 3 where um, you um, you end up stranded on an island um, and you're running out of food and you end up um, eating a bunch of magic mushrooms and there's a, um, there's like a, there's like a, a drug trip sequence. Um, and um, it's mostly goofy, but there's like a few, there's a few bits, that, just a few bits of dialogue that, that uh, or bits of text rather that creep me out. There's like, a, there's a mailbox um, and you open it up, and it's like you opened up the mailbox, and there was nothing inside. More and more, nothing came flowing out of the mailbox. It's it's covering you. Um, and, and then there oh. was there was a, a signpost. It said something like, "Everybody's uh, uh, they're they're all hitting you and spitting on you and cursing at you and and telling you that that you should be dead." And and who is this? It's everybody that you love. No. Yeah, those games are really, really good at making you feel uncomfortable. I love it. Moments ahoy in uh, in the Mother series. Uh, Dom, anything you'd like to add before we uh, finish oh, today? Yeah. Um, this just came to mind, but Mass Effect two and three were actually pretty freaking creepy. Mm. Now that I think about, it. Oh, like mm. the, like, I didn't play um, three, but uh, I did like. Well, with, well, with two, it was like it was mainly collectors, I guess, just because like the mystery surrounding them and the fact that they're just they just look like big humanoid bugs yeah. and they have wings and stuff <laughs> and like like while they're like they're big head and they have like enormous heads and whatnot and like while that was like it was it made them like pretty easy in, in terms of gameplay because you could just pop their heads from like a mile away <laughs> it, like just from a design standpoint that was like really unnerving to watch and mm. at the end all the way at the end like when harbinger starts like possessing them that that's also like not very I should say. Assuming it's like pretty unsettling because like yeah. he possesses one and then you kill him and then he disintegrates and then he starts possessing another one and you're like, oh my god, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> and then like yeah. the game closes out with the human reaper, which is, you know, it's just like an enormous 
humanoid. It's like the biggest zombie you will ever see because it's literally made from a million like humans that were like like grounded to goop, and then they were just put on an exoskeleton. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember that bit. There's isn't there a chance that one of your crew can be one that the person in the pod? Because don't you find somebody in a pod? Who yeah. just gets disintegrated into gloop? It's really horrible, isn't it? Yeah. If you if you like like once that mission triggers, if you if you like don't immediately do it, then your uh, crew gets turned into human goop, which is nice. not very pleasant. And then like the retakes it even further because like that's when the reapers start invading, and then like all the life forms start getting turned into like reaper mishmashes, and like mm. you know it's like ravagers have these like. They just have like big sacks and like they pop and then like creepy crawlies come at you from that and it's like yeah. <laughs> like looking back on it it's like very sort of unnerving design especially with the banshees as well because oh, like yeah. Yeah. if there's like if there's one thing that's scarier than just like some gross looking like bug monster it's enemies that scream and then teleport at you because like <laughs> <laughs> and then like when you have two or three banshees on you it's like like. I think the first time I played through, I just, like, dropped my controller. I just, like, press pause, <laughs> drop my controller. <laughs> I need to get a glass of water I before it. I play through this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, there's something to be said, isn't there, when there are... Because Rob has brought up Fantasy Star and you've brought up Mass Effect. And I suppose, in a way, Earthbound as well. It's something about space and something about the unknown that really creeps a lot of people out. And yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's very... I I kind of wish there were more... I mean, I'd like to say I wish there were more RPGs set in space, but Star Ocean has proved that no. So, don't worry. <laughs> well, I don't even know if Star Ocean is really really counts. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It, it doesn't, it, in the most liberal terms. It, it pretends to be set in space, but... It does. It, it almost never is. <laughs> nope. I think it's got something to say when you've got, like... Because you don't know what they're going to be. They could be anything. Whereas, at least with Shadow Hearts, you can kind of... Or even Dark Souls, you can draw from the lore and just see, like, oh, yeah, look, it's a person or it's a dog or it's something else. Whereas aliens are like, you don't know what they're going to look like. And mm -hmm. there are some really, dis even, like, outside of RPGs, there are some really disgusting examples of space creatures. Mm -hmm. Dead space, notably. <laughs> Dead space and Half-Life. Yeah. Well, uh, that, that has been our Halloween Spooktacular. Uh, and next week... Um... Josh Curry is rejoining uh, Retro Encounter uh, to host Ooh. the annual BlizzCon episode with uh, Mike Solosi. Following that, uh, throughout November, uh, we're going to have an entire month of Final Fantasy-themed podcasts in honor of the 30th anniversary um, of uh, varying topics related to this uh, many-storied and long-running series that we all that we all know and love. Um, there will also be a uh, whole bunch of um, written material about the series going live on the site around that time. Um, so we hope that you stay tuned for that. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can always email the podcast at retro at rpgfan.com. Um, I know a lot of you are emailing um, emailing asking Mike to play Kingdom Hearts. Um, I, um, I, I wholeheartedly encourage this behavior. Please keep doing this. Um, in uh, last week's episode on... Um, on Digital Devil Saga, he also mentioned uh, people emailing in to get him to play Nocturne. Um, I also really, really highly recommend that you do this. Um, 
please give I Mike give a hard time, a and I will uh, I will be there right right alongside him, um, having having a bad time. And it sounds like Alana might as well. So um, I'm yeah. yeah. Oh god, we didn't even talk about that in this episode. That that game is pretty horrifying. But yeah, I really want to try it again now that I'm older. I got this oh, is kind of mannequins. off topic. I remember mm, I remember getting it. I was borrowing it off of my brother's friend. And he only gave it to me because it, it, the Europe, Europe only got the version with Dante from Devil May Cry in it. So that's where <laughs> that all started. That's where that means from. But yeah, I played about maybe two hours of it and got throttled. So now that I'm older, let's give it another go. So yeah, why don't you email us and tell us to play it and I'll suffer. Yeah, we will all suffer and it will be so good. <laughs> If you would be so kind as to leave us a uh, review on iTunes or Google Play or any of the uh, podcast networks where you can find us, that would be a really big help. Um, I know also many of you have done that as well, and we're very, very grateful. But um, any any positive reviews helps uh, increase our visibility and helps us get new fans in. So um, if you could take a couple of minutes, that would be fantastic. But um, Alana, where can people find you if they want to interact with you? Oh, so uh, on the boards and elsewhere, I'm Diving Falcons, or on Twitter, I am at Alana Haig, so let's get in touch and talk. Dom, how about you? Sure. Um, I am on the forums and on Discord, most recently, um, I am DH Canning, so you can leave me a message. Uh, I'm on the forums as Towns Carmarty. I'm also on the on the Discord. Uh, let me see if I can find that URL uh, for you. Um, in fact, you know what? Uh, it's on our forums. There's a link to the Discord. I think you need an invite, but uh, everybody's invited, whether you're on the forums or not. So um, come and hang out there. We've actually got um, a really cool community. Um, everybody is very friendly and... Um, open-minded so um do uh, do come and chat with us a lot of us are a lot of us staff members are um hanging out there too so um if you want to chat that's the place to do it uh i'm also on twitter at misanthrobob so um hit me up that is uh, that's where we'll close out this episode folks and uh, stay tuned next week for the blizzcon episode um i'd like to thank my co-host for joining me and uh, we'll see you again very soon mm-hmm.